A happy, happy hour. It is the Tropical Talk Radio Show. Today, we are going to geek out on some slow travel, location-independent, bootstrapping in Vietnam. It's going to be a long one. Grab a chada. What do you say we get started? Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. All right, I'm here with David Hehenberger, the king of the Hehenbergians, straight out of Austria, um, but we've known each other for quite a long time now. Shoppingcartlabs.com, what do you do? And for those of you tuning into this episode to hear about Vietnam, we are going to do a deep dive talking about my history in Vietnam. Vietnam mm-hmm. is, is, is one of the most important locations in my career, my travel career and my business career, and I'll talk about that. We're going to talk about like nine reasons why it's really blowing up for entrepreneurs right now. We're going to talk about the people who might not like it here so much, and then we're going to give you guys three different budget levels, bootstrapper, baller, and the family baller option. So we're going to go through those three things. But first, shoppingcartlabs.com, tell me what you're doing with that. So I help established e-commerce businesses make more sales using quality SEO and content marketing campaigns. And you got started by making my e-commerce stores more quality, right? Exactly. So I remember we met each other. You were in Tropical MBA number two. Yep. And I think I was writing the ad for like number six or something, and you were editing it for me. And I think at one point, I don't know if you remember this, we were at the Rock and Roll Bar or something, and I was kind of like, say, David, do you want the job? (laughs) (laughs) It was like, you know, you were good enough to write the damn post and edit the damn post. I was like, wait a second. Uh, this is bring them on the team. So since that time, you've started your own business and you're doing well, mm-hmm. and you've decided to live here in Ho Chi Minh City, the southern capital, not the capital city, but the biggest city in Vietnam. And so I guess we, I pulled you in. I want to talk about the city and why you're here and why our colleagues are here. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So first off, um, I, I want to tell this little story that I first came to Vietnam in 2001 as like a more traditional backpacker. And I remember when I was planning the trip with my buddies I wanted to go to Thailand because I was like, I didn't want to miss out on all the fun. I heard about the full moon party and all this kind of Kosan Road. And I watched, I don't know if I watched Leonardo DiCaprio at that point in time, but I, I, the equivalent, I watched something. And I remember I was like, oh, I don't know about Vietnam. It's kind of out there. And when I got here, I just remember being captivated by it. It was a much different place. Um, you know, back then it was, you know, see communist officials running around everywhere. You were always signing into places. And I actually got detained and interrogated for taking a picture mm-hmm. of a, um, you're blowing up over there, man. What's going on? That's your phone. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you're, uh, you know, you're, um, I, I got detained and interrogated for taking pictures of a public building. Not too much of that going on again. I came back here in 2008. It was like the first location that I became a location independent entrepreneur because I always remembered it fondly. And now I'm back here in 2013, and just so much has changed. This place is just changing. It's almost difficult to compare. Like, you know, I go back to the same neighborhood in New York every five years, and it equivalent, you know, New York is this big, fastest-paced city and everything, but it's kind of pretty static. I mean, the hipsters sort of move around a little bit, but you come back to Ho Chi Minh City, and it's a new place, and I think that's exciting. So you mind if I geek out just a little bit about the things that have changed over just the last four years? Sure. Here are the things that haven't changed. By the way, when's the first time you came here? 
uh, half a year ago. And what was like, you were coming from Thailand, yeah? It's coming from the Philippines. So explain to me like what, what like hooked you in? What was it that, that, that nailed you and, and brought you here full time? There's a certain vibe about the city and we're going to go into details later, but you just come here and you feel the energy and it's happening and the right people are here and there's so many things that are good about this place. I mean, you could be describing Bangkok too. So how do, how do you distinguish between a place like Bangkok, who many listeners are familiar with, mm-hmm. and a place like Saigon that less people have come to? Right. Well, Saigon's definitely less developed than Bangkok still. I don't know. I, I mean, so I was trying to make a decision where to move this year, and I almost moved. I almost moved to Bangkok, um, but I already had a ticket to Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, but um, so, so um, I've had that conversation before many times, and it's not a very satisfying answer. But it's very difficult for me to put into words um, why I like this place okay. so much. Perfect. Well, that's where I come in because I don't have a hard time putting anything into words, even yeah. if they're crappy ones. Okay, here's so here's what's changed for me in 2008. Mm-hmm. I was starting out, I was sort of where you're at. I came here in 2008, and things were totally different. But mm-hmm. here's what hasn't changed. The incredible food. Right. Still a majestic eating culture. It's almost difficult to describe to somebody who's not here. The availability. Me and you had a $3 lunch yesterday where we were eating stuffed squid on the street. I mean, it's... It's out of this world. Yes. Right? It's out of this world. Number two, cafes everywhere. Hasn't changed. Lots of expats and cool people. Even back in the day, Vietnam attracted a cool crowd. Uh, and Vietnam's, Vietnamese culture is very cool. Obviously, that's been a constant. You know, you walk down the street and see statues of dudes that lived 900 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vietnamese people know who they are in a way that's very intriguing to an American who I don't have a, a big you know, cultural history uh, in the same way that Vietnamese people do. So that's fascinating. But here's what has changed. Fast Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I used to have an office in District 3, which is a central neighborhood. And we literally would give up on life at 3 p.m. and go get coffee because I was like, <laughs> this, this freaking Wi-Fi is just not going to cut it. Right. Um, and uh, uh, that's changed. Now the Wi-Fi is fast. I don't know. Somebody in the government was like, we got to get this job done, and they got it done. Uh, number two, the airport is way better, uh, thanks to stuff like AirAsia and stuff. I mean, back in the day in 2008, there wasn't as much of like a hub-like feeling. Yeah. Now, to get to Saigon Airport, it's faster because they fixed the road. So you can get there in like 20 minutes from D1, District 1, the center area. Also, there's a lot more flights. So you can just, you know, I can get on the uh, computer right now and fly to Bangkok tomorrow morning right. for like 100 bucks. Yeah, same. You can fly to Philippines, you can fly to Singapore. You can go anywhere. You can go anywhere. It's great. Singapore, once you're in Singapore, you can go to anywhere in the world nonstop, pretty yeah. much. Um, the uh, other thing that's changed is that it's easy to find managed and furnished places to live. You know, back in the day, it was almost like you had to have a little bit of a handler to help you find something. But now we've got friends who come here and just like walk up and down the streets and find good apartments. So that's a, a, a thing that's changed. And of course, having a, a big DC presence has changed the thing quite a bit. I mean, there's probably, how many DCers would you assume, 20? 15. 20, something like that? Yeah. So. That's solid. All right, so David, um, let's go through the top nine reasons that we've identified that a lot of people are here. So first off, no conversation of Vietnam would even get started if you don't talk about food. Yeah. So tell me about your experience eating food here. The food is amazing. The food is healthy. So, well, if you're in paleo, it's a bit more difficult because there's a like lot noodles, of rice. Like noodles, rice, rice everywhere. Yeah? Rice and rice noodles. But 
um, the diet is very balanced. And when you look at the average Vietnamese person, they're in great shape in part due to the healthy and delicious and cheap food. Um, so that's number one. Number two, cost of living. Your money goes a lot further here. How much are you spending a month? About 1500 About 1500 bucks a month. We still think that Chiang Mai is probably net-net cheaper. Yes. So there are the kind of city costs, like rents higher here, right. for example. So I think Saigon is kind of halfway between Chiang Mai and Bangkok. Okay. For the same quality of life. Got it. Yeah. Uh, number three, fast internet. And here's the cool part. We're sitting in a room right now at a startup center. Um, it's soundproofed, uh, sort of. <laughs> and... It, the, I just did a speed check test, and it's 20 up and 20 down, okay? Uh, many of many of you living in, in the United States might not even do speed tests, but location-independent entrepreneurs are constantly testing at speedtest.net to see um, the speeds. Right. But even you can go to a cafe and get 20 up, 20 down. Yeah. So it's a game changer, right? Like, I actually subscribe to more podcasts. Do you ever do that thing in the, in the Philippines where you're like, which podcast episode am I going to download? <laughs> <laughs> I've done it in Bali. Uh, and the internet here is probably faster than in Australia as well, what I've heard from Australians. Very interesting. So we're looking at, you know, between 10 and 20 uh, megabits. It's it's pretty common around yeah. here. Number four, we outlined world-class dining and nightlife options. So, you know, we go to a lot of these places, like if we were going to a party, we would go out to Lush maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really quite that option anywhere in the Philippines, maybe in, in the fort. You know, like you could go to Bounce or something like that. But here it's kind of these options where you go to a place like Zanzibar or Luzine or mm-hmm. Lush. They're like international level. And I think that that's something that you might not find in secondary cities in Thailand, certainly oh, not yeah. in the Philippines. Definitely not. I mean, Lush is not in Chiang Mai. Yeah, yeah. Well, Beirut is a good place as well, since we're just mentioning names. Yes. Just, we should uh, create a map. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A map of where you can find David eating stuff. (laughs) All right. Number five, cafe culture. It's almost difficult to overstate how many cafes there are here and how much time Vietnamese people seem Mm. to spend in them. Yeah. I mean, on every corner, there's these amazing cafes where you're getting the fast Wi-Fi and you can just hang out there for like eight hours. Have you ever gotten a a sort of a skanky glance because you were hanging out too long? No, you, you get unlimited free tea. Yeah. <laughs> you buy one drink and you sit there for eight hours and get unlimited free tea. It's baller. And, and they're all, you know, it's great people watching. There's great food at the cafes. And it, it, it's not like you're blowing out at Starbucks where you have to reorder a drink every hour at five bucks a pop. We're talking about a $1 coffee earns you the right to sip tea for as long as you want, if you want to roll that way. I mean, right. that's not how we roll, right? <laughs> you're ordering smoothies and shit. <laughs> all right. Uh, networking and startup culture. Um, one of the things I think about Vietnam is it's like, it's not like this kind of, you know, beachy culture. It's very much a business culture. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's similar, more similar to Chinese culture in, in some respects. It's sort of like, you know, for those of you not familiar with the, the Vietnamese background, it's like they very much have defined themselves throughout their history as in opposition to China. But it's a little bit ironic because they're sort of close culturally to China, right? They're sort of like the... Right. They're sort of like the cool younger brother of China, something like that. You know, like they're alternative. It's classier here than, you know, China is kind of, mm-hmm. it's not classy like Vietnam feels classy. So I, I think, you know, everybody here is always wanting to network. They're wanting to meet up at cafes. We're hanging out here in Startup Center with a bunch of Vietnamese entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's great. And there does seem to be a big entrepreneurship culture here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You can probably find something like this in Bangkok too, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Bangkok 
I've never lived there, but I think it would probably be the same or maybe even better in Bangkok, um, especially sure. when it comes to international entrepreneurs. But there really seems to be a lot going on with like Vietnamese people trying to get like their tech startup off the ground yes. and stuff like that, which is really cool. Very cool. Um, one of the things we're seeing is a relatively easy visa situation. So not like Thailand, yeah. not like Indonesia. You can come here, you can get the visa sorted pretty simply. So yeah. I think I've heard you can stay on a even on a one-month tourist visa, once you're actually here, you can stay for like nine months or so, and then you can, then you go to Cambodia and come back here. Yeah, so it's it's much simpler than yeah. we're looking at elsewhere. Um, it's a legit hiring option. Yeah, uh, we're seeing a lot of people successfully hire Vietnamese. Pe- I've hired Vietnamese people in the past. Um, I haven't had a singular success myself, but I can see why it would work out. Uh, Vietnamese people they work hard, mm-hmm. they study hard, they want great jobs. If you've got one. I mean, you can do great. And plus, the English level is really skyrocketing. Right. So, for example, a friend of ours here, he just recently hired a girl. She's like Vietnamese, like Vietnamese French, grew up in France, studied in Canada, and now moved back here to Saigon because she was tired of the West. And I think she's now working for him um, for $400 a month. Yeah. And she's like Western educated, but Vietnamese. And she's working for $400 a month. Well, there's a lot of like that Viet Q cult, like the overseas yeah. Vietnamese who come back and they're looking for jobs. And yeah. and there is opportunity to hire people like that for sure. So, I mean, I you know, you can hire uh, ballpark. You're looking at between like $300 and $1,000 a month to hire Vietnamese people. So it's just like there's not as much of a culture here as like the Odesk thing where you're hiring Filipinos. Right. It's kind of like you got to be here. Mm-hmm. But once you're here, you can have, you know, build those relationships and build a team if you'd want. Right. Number nine, um, and this is just a little quick one I injected, which is that um, the language is a little bit complex, but it's a Western script, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So Vietnamese is written phonically. And so you can actually read and write Vietnamese directly out of the gate because every word is just one syllable. And there are accents, but the accents are written on the words. So you know how to pronounce something if it's written on a wall. And that's a huge advantage to a Mm -hmm. place like Thailand or China where the language is just a sort of impenetrable monolith uh, when you encounter it. But here you can sit down, read a menu, order off the menu, and you're you're in like Flynn. Right. But at the same time, I would say... Like for me, it's it is a very difficult language. It's great that they have a romanized script, but they have I think seven seven tones. Is that they it? Get a lot. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I I would end up in restaurants trying to order like reading stuff off the menu to the waiter, and the waiter would not understand what I'm saying. Yes. Because I'm using the wrong tones, so right. it is it does feel frustrating. Big time. So, I found that saying Vietnamese is a lot easier than comprehending it. I found like people are like. You know, mm-hmm. just firing away at you is complicated. But I've found that saying things, it's been a little bit easier. Once you get used to being in the ga, 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 and, you know, once you get used uh-huh. to that kind of uh, uh, thing. But anyway, so that's sort of a secondary thing, but great point. Right. So, so, so I guess one thing that um, uh, also fits in there is that, especially here in Ho Chi Minh, uh, the English skill level of a lot of people is really good. It's very... so. Even though I've been in Vietnam for six months, because the language is a bit frustrating, I've basically made zero efforts to speak the local language, and I have no issues getting by. Um, a lot of locals are very well educated and speak English, and I'm not having any issues. Like I can connect to locals, um, not to everybody, of course. Right. But, uh, um, Especially people in the startup community. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And enough to get soup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I would say. So, like, I speak. A very basic level of Vietnamese and part of the reason 
I did that is because I wanted to eat more local food. And it, it can be a little bit intimidating to eat at some local places. I mean, the quality of the food is absolutely world-class, but the quality of the English isn't. So sometimes if you walk into a Vietnamese place, you got to get clever with your pointing skills yeah. or maybe sort of use another patron and walk over and be like, I would like what that guy's eating. Sorry, that guy. <laughs> I know this is awkward. <laughs> but anything to get the food, your hands on some of that food. All right. Let's talk about six reasons why Vietnam might not be. What are the downsides? It's not all, you know, this isn't, uh, it's all not all roses and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. All right. Number one, pollution. You mm-hmm. were saying that the pollution doesn't bother you that much, but we're hearing a lot about this. Yeah. So... I just don't notice the pollution, to be honest. So I would only notice the pollution if I go like on top of a tall building and I look around and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of like smog. There's a lot of fog here. For me, like I notice it. I mean, it's not as smog as Bangkok, first off. Um, but I've noticed like the particulate level in the street is cleaned up since 2008. So it's getting better. But, you know, if you go for a jog or something or walk in the middle of the day or mm. you, you drive around your motorcycle in the middle of the day, you're going to maybe get a little sore throat or, you know, some people were talking about this concept of the helmet, like where you sort of get a headache for a few days and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a legitimate thing. If, if you're not into pollution, you know, it's not your thing. Number two, uh, it's a crazy endless city that's difficult to leave. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of green trees in Saigon. It's a very beautiful place, but there's not a lot of green space, you mm-hmm. know, like you're not going to get out there sort of out of the city unless you make a major time investment. And I yeah. think that can feel maybe a little claustrophobic for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know one nice park in particular um, that is quite big and they have like a lake and a swimming pool and that's a really nice park and it's fairly easy to get to. Um, But yeah, even if you go to most parks, you're surrounded by noise and traffic. Yeah. So that's our number three point, which is so much energy. It can be exhausting. It's like it can create this sort of sense of stress. I mean, our buddy John Myers absolutely loves it here because this guy is like so high intensity and he he loves that. He's like a New Yorker. But for somebody that's from the countryside coming here, I mean, this is one of the craziest cities ever, you know? Actually, I'm going to put, have you ever seen the time-lapse uh, photography? The, the, the motorbike? The uh, thing that went viral. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll embed this video on this Tropical Talk Radio number 30 just to give you an idea of the pulse of the city. If you're a high-energy person, mm-hmm. you, you feed off of that. But it's also a big downside for a lot of people who are just like, whoa, mm. it's driving me crazy. How do you feel about it? Well, so I've actually never in my entire life before I moved here lived in a really big city. I mean, I've lived in Vienna for a while, but Vienna is still a small city Mm -hmm. compared to most cities in the States. And I felt overwhelmed uh, a lot. Like I would be walking around and there was so much traffic and noise and I would really start to feel overwhelmed and kind of like go home and like close the door behind me (laughs) and just be like, (laughs) (laughs) but now that I've been here for uh, more than four months, I think I've been getting used to it and I'm actually studying I think I'm starting to feed off the energy. I'm starting to enjoy the craziness. A couple other downsides. Not as big of a hub as Bangkok, Singapore, Hong Kong. Uh, there's a motorbike culture here. So if you're, you know, if you're not into riding motorcycles, you, you have to live in District 1. If you're, you know, I guess you could get a car and stuff, but yeah. whatever that means for you. I mean, for me, it means awesome. You get to drive a motorcycle, but for some people, you know, it could mean yeah, you're exposing yourself to more danger or whatever. But it's it's still easy to get around on taxis. To totally tax, agree. Taxis are very plentiful and cheap. And the other thing is it's a little bit less developed. So you're going to have sometimes some niggling issues, like maybe if your internet isn't working, like it might be a difficult phone call. You yeah. know, stuff yeah. like that, maybe availability of certain goods. You can't, you can't just go on Amazon and order a new right. pair of uh, Beats by Dr. Dre. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you can get a cheap pair on the corner. All right, so let's talk about three different levels of lifestyle here in Ho Chi Minh City real quick before we wrap up and give people an idea of what they can get for what. So you're the representative of what I would call the bootstrapping culture here in Ho Chi Minh City. You're here because you want to preserve cash and you want to survive through your first 1,000 days and build a business. It's got to be one of the best locations in Southeast Asia to do that, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. You like the the level of services and the quality. I mean, the quality of my life is amazing for those fifteen hundred or so dollars I spend a month. So you're spending fifteen hundred dollars a month. Roughly. You live in District One, central location. Yeah, I live in. In my opinion, I live in the best neighborhood there is. Okay. My apartment is small, but I'm in the best neighborhood. And, and you were person. saying your local meal percentage is like. 50% yeah. local meals, 50% at Western-style places? Right, so 50% would be local meals that range from probably one and a half to three dollars, and the other 50% would be Western meals like sushi, um, So your French. apartment is 350 bucks. Yeah. How big is it? It's small. It's like 15 square meters. I'm not sure what's that in feet. <laughs> it, it, is, it is fairly small. So I could, I could take the same budget and go to a slightly less central location and probably get an apartment But it's month to month? It's furnished and all that? It's furnished. It's month to month. Um, maid? No contract. There's a maid that does my laundry so you're and not, cleans my room. You're not thinking about lifestyle overhead at all? No. I'm eating out. I, I don't worry about cooking. So 1500 bucks a month, what are your indulgences? Like, um, are you traveling on that budget? Yeah, or are I, you... I just spent two weeks last month uh, traveling uh, throughout Vietnam. I spent a week in Hanoi and a week in uh, All in 1500 bucks. Yeah, that's while while keeping the apartment. Well, maybe it was sixteen hundred. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, and I'm going out, getting sushi. Um, I'm going to nice restaurants. It's it's pretty I'm amazing. To, I'm going to nice. I'm going to high end bars. Yes, you are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't go to high end bars every day. But <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's just move to the next slide. I mean. You know, it'd be difficult to imagine your lifestyle at a higher level. The only way up is really with the rent and the places. So if you were to get like um, maybe a like a three-bedroom condo in a high-rise luxury condo, right? Like then that would be like baller level and that would be $4,000 a month maybe with everything. But yeah. you're spending like $2,000 a month on your place. But you could be easily have like a four-bedroom or something ridiculous, right. yeah? I mean, and if you did a year-long lease... You could knock that down half. So I think that, you know, I, I want to talk about baller meat. So, for example, I went out to dinner last night, and it was a two-top, and I, I popped it off. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know how I roll. And it was at, like, one of the best restaurants in town, and it was, like, 75 bucks. I think that was my tab. So, I mean, how many nights can you go out like that, though? I mean, mo- especially <laughs> right. when there's, like, the most delicious $3 freaking meal right down the street. So Yeah. It's, I've noticed, you know, and I'm not sort of slow to pull out the wallet, but I've noticed that the money is disappearing from my wallet a lot slower mm-hmm. than it does when I'm in Bali, for sure. Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes difficult to spend money. Um, you know, you eat that all the time. I had a haircut yesterday, bought some groceries. Haircuts are like two this. bucks. Yeah, my haircut was one and a half. It's a yeah. bus cut, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why it was cheaper. And so, so I mean, I guess... Kind of the baller thing is like, I mean, the sky's the limit, but if you said, I challenge you to spend $4,000 a month, I mean, it would be hard. It, yeah. it would be very hard. Uh, families, um, there's kind of a different thing. There are some international schools here. Now, where there's the bootstrappers or ballers might be looking at like District 1 and District 3, families might be looking at like Fumi Hung or District 2, um, also District 1. So something to think about there. 
Um, you might think about getting a car, which would be an yeah. added expense. I mean, cars are more expensive here than they are back home. You're probably not going to want to rock around on a motorbike with the with the toddler, you yeah. know, like the Vietnamese style. You ever see in here in Vietnam, like that the parents will be wearing helmets, but the kids aren't wearing helmets? Yeah, yeah. Because it's le- legally you don't have to put a helmet on the kid. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's a cultural divide. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, for those of you that have stuck around this long, I salute you. I mean, this is – I know that this – this podcast format is really niche. Like there's not a lot of people who would want to listen to David and I talk about the nuts and bolts of our lifestyle here in Ho Chi Minh City. However, uh, for those of you that were interested, uh, we, we share a lot in common. So thanks for sticking around with us. I actually do think I'm going to be plopping down on a long-term lease here in part because of the hub nature that's improved mm-hmm. and the Wi-Fi. Um, you know, as our businesses grow, I need to get on the phone more regularly, and my phone calls in Bali were just dropping, and I couldn't do webinars for DCers. It was cutting me up. So I think I'm going to get a little bit of a long-term lease here. I'm not going to hang up my travel boots by any means, but I'm going to have one of those pimp pads so that I can, I can drop in and get the 20 megs down on demand. Yeah. And you just can't. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of people here who are just in love with the place too. Mm. There's something about that they just fall in love with. I think the street food culture and the sidewalk culture and. Uh, and all the fun we have here. Yeah, I think it's a good place to base yourself. So if you're even if you're still in bootstrapping mode and you want to keep traveling around a bit, it's very easy to get a place for 300 a month or so that you can maintain as kind of your home base. Maybe even get like a office set up in this co-working space here. And then you can come here and you live a regular lifestyle. And you know, you wake up in the morning, go to the office, work your ass off um, in the evening, hang out with friends. And then like when you're sick, uh, of it after three weeks or so. Then you go travel for a week and then you come back and... All right, so it's a call to action. If you've got $10,000 in your bank account right now, you can buy six months of your life here in Ho Chi Minh City and what a brilliant six months it would be. Yes. All right, thanks for joining us on Tropical Talk Radio. I'll see you next Friday afternoon. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. Get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say, hey, check me out on Twitter, at Tropical MBA. We'll see you soon.